just a song it's a prayer amen we all welcome to thrive it's always exciting being in God's presence today we are looking at um, Acts 13 from verse 4 to 12 that's our focus for today's thrive please can you bring it up on the screen and that's our part 23 wow mm. Okay. So Barnabas and Saul were sent out by the Holy Spirit. They went down to the seaports of Seleucia and then sailed for the island of Cyprus. There in the town of Salamis, they went to the Jewish synagogues and preached the word of God. John Mark went with them as their assistant. Afterward, they traveled from town to town across the entire island until finally they reached Paphos, where they met a Jewish sorcerer, a false prophet named Bad Jesus. He had attached himself to the governor, Sergius Paulus, who was an intelligent man. The governor invited Barnabas and Saul to visit him for he wanted to hear the word of God. But Elimas, the sorcerer, as his name means in Greek, interfered and urged the governor to pay no attention to what Barnabas and Saul said. He was trying to keep the governor from believing. Saul, also known as Paul, was filled with the Holy Spirit and he looked the sorcerer in the eye. Then he said, you son of the devil, full of every sort of deceit and fraud and enemy of all that is good. Will you never stop perverting the true ways of the Lord? Watch now. For the Lord has laid his hand of punishment upon you and you will be struck blind. You will not see the sunlight for some time. Instant mist and darkness came over the man's eyes and he, be began to grope, and he began groping around, begging for someone to take his hand and lead. When the governor saw what had happened, he became a believer, for he was astonished at the teaching about the Lord. Hallelujah. Isn't that amazing? Let's, let's just clap for the Lord. The power in God's word, the power of the Holy Spirit, a lot of things, you know, playing out at once in this um, 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 scripture that we just read. So this is Paul's first missionary journey, like, like it's, um, we, we must have even studied it in Bible, Bible knowledge and all those things. We've heard about it, you know, but I just want us to, I always like us to connect it to our own lives. Everybody has a journey that they are undertaking. Some journey that you've taken before, um, the journey you're taking now, journeys you will take, you know, in the future, you know. But there's something always happening in our lives. There's something that is going on in our lives all the time. And we have to pay attention to it. You know, we have to be present we shouldn't just allow our lives go by, forgetting that we are the major, you know, actors in the whole thing going on in our lives. So we have to be present. We have to be conscious. And we also have to understand the different roles that the different people are playing in our lives, are the different journeys in our lives. There are some journeys that have ended that... Um, we're still carrying some people along that are not even supposed to be in this our new phase of life. 
you know, I mean, um, to me, an example is being in, there are some groups, some WhatsApp groups that are not adding any value because when you took that journey, it's either you were in primary school, secondary school, yeah, they can be there, but when you are now fully involved in what is happening in your, your nursery school, you are now in another phase of your life. I think you are not, you know, maximizing your time and your, to me, wasting time on things that, you know, will not help you where you are, where you are going and in your, you know, endeavors. So we have to be conscious. What are we doing? Where are we in our journey of life? Um, the book of Acts really talks a lot about what the Holy Spirit, you know, the the baptism of the Holy Spirit and how um, the dispensation of the church just transformed because of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. A lot of things happening. We're hearing a lot. The Holy Spirit said they prayed and the Holy Spirit spoke. They prayed again. The Holy Spirit led them, you know. So sometimes when we hear Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, I don't know about every other person, but sometimes you can even forget about the Holy Spirit. You can just forget Oh, okay, oh yeah, Holy Spirit can help me in this. So, okay, yeah, okay, he's, he's good at this, he can help me, you know. The Holy Spirit is not just an it. The Holy Spirit is a person. And we need to come to that understanding that the Holy Spirit is not just um, maybe lightning or some light or anything. The Holy Spirit is a person that we can interact with, but we have to be deliberate about it. Um, I listed out some characteristics of the Holy Spirit I listed out 13 divine characteristics of the Holy Spirit, then also um, 11 characteristics of um, personal um, characteristics of the Holy Spirit. Okay, so we'll just run through them. I'm not going to talk on them. So these are the divine characteristics. He's called God. He's called the Spirit of God. He's considered God. He's treated as equal to God, the Father and the Son. He's eternal. He's self-existent, he's omnipotent, he's omnipresent, okay. he's sovereign, he was involved with creation, he enabled the writing of the Bible, he helps us to recognize the glory of God, he enables us to call upon Jesus as Lord, you know, so these are just a few, we can go on and on, then moved on to the next slide, which um, looks at the personal characteristics of the Holy Spirit. It says he's referred to as a person. He speaks. The Holy Spirit speaks. We've seen that in, you know, the chapters that we're reading. You know, sometimes it's, you know, somehow to grasp it. Okay, the Holy Spirit, he speaks. He actually speaks. So we should also learn to speak to him. He, he witnesses, he searches, you know, um, deep things, he searches, he can be grieved. So these are personal characteristics. He loves, he has a mind, he has intelligence, he can be tested, he has a will. Okay, did I finish? Okay, he can be resisted. So we're just running through this so that you know that the Holy Spirit is not just a thing. We should consciously engage the Holy Spirit. And you'll find out how interesting he, it is, you know, that, oh, the Holy Spirit is actually interested in this thing I'm talking about, you know. So we're going to go to verse 4 to 5. I hope I'm not too fast. Are we together? Yeah, okay. So I'll read verse 4 to 5. You can put it up on the screen. Huh? It says, So Barnabas and Saul were sent out by the Holy Spirit. They went down to the seaport of Seleucia and then sailed to the island of Cyprus. Then in the town of Salamis, they went to the Jewish synagogues and preached the word of God. John Mark went with them as their assistant. Okay. Um, Pastor will say, what jumps out at you? The whole, the whole scripture that I read is jumping. So, just you know, look at a few things. So, um, in the earlier um, verses um, um, last week when um, 
Pastor Kay took it, you know, talked about how the Holy Spirit spoke. The Holy Spirit spoke expressly. Now we are seeing that the Holy Spirit is sending them out. The Holy Spirit is sending them out. The Holy Spirit is giving direction, you know. From all the things we read about, the different characteristics of the Holy Spirit, you can see that the one of the, some of the characteristics of the Holy Spirit from what we read, he gives direction, he gives empowerment, he gives guidance, and that guidance will help you, you know, to navigate your way in life. Is that sometimes we, we see a lot of things happening in people's lives and, you know, we just think it, ha it just happened. A typical example, maybe people that come here on um, God We Do It Again Sunday, if they can check within themselves, they will know that something has been happening, that this service is not just, you know, it didn't just appear. We have been on a journey. Amen. Hi. <laughs> okay. I'm not sure you can hear me, so just wait a while. Amen. So I was talking about, you know, the God will do it again service. If somebody just comes here on Sunday, their spirit will tell them that ah, it cannot just be this God will do it again service that all these things are happening. Something, they must have been doing something for us to get here. You know. So when you see things happening, things don't just happen. There's a preparation. There's a preparation that goes into it. You see... Um, 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 Paul and Barnabas, they are moving from here to here. They are doing this. Before this started, what did they do? They were praying. They were fasting. They were praying. They were fasting. They got instruction. They got direction. You know, God was telling them what and what to do. The Holy Spirit was leading them where to go, what to say, and everything. So, why don't we, you know, take our lives that seriously that why don't we wait on God why do we just enter the road and say oh okay I beg God which side do I go turn but you've already taken the step you've already done the, the you know made the move already and that is when you're asking God the best time to ask God is before you make the move wait on him and like we learned, the Holy Spirit is there. He's speaking. He has a clear path and direction and instruction for our lives. As we can see how he charted the path for, for Paul and Barnabas, even on their journey. You know, I remember growing up, I mean, there was a prayer I used to be afraid of because I thought if God answers this prayer, it's going to spoil a lot of things. And that prayer is God. What is the purpose? What is your purpose for me? What is your, what is your will for my life? I didn't really want to know because I said, I mean, I have my own purpose, will, and plan. These are the things I want to do for myself. If I start asking God, now God will now start, you know. And, you know, growing, even in my work, growing up as, uh, you know, child of God, I started understanding that God has my back. God's plans for me, as, I mean, they're beyond what I can even imagine. God loves me. So why shouldn't I trust him? Why shouldn't I pray that prayer? You know, that Lord, let your will be done. Show me your purpose. Give me direction. Give me instruction. So that I don't derail out of your path. You know, that's the safest, safest prayer to pray. You know, it may not come out how we expect, but we know that this is God's blueprint for our life. What other thing do we want when God has our back? So please, let's not be afraid to ask God for his will, for his purpose, for his plan. You know, if we as human beings can plan, do we think that God doesn't have a good plan for us? 
He has a great plan. You know, you can look back in your life and say, oh, there were some things that I thought, ah, if it happened like this, this was how it would have turned out. But you see, oh, God was actually involved. God made everything work out in my favor. So, let's be open. Let's trust God. Let's believe God that he has a great plan for us. And we will never fall astray. We will never, you know, be derailed because he's in control. So let's do that consciously. Let your will be done. Let your purpose for my life. Let the purpose you have for my children be accomplished. Let them be in your will. Let everything that you have for me Plan for me, let it come to pass. Even if there are some things that I, I want that are not your way, please, Lord, don't let me do anything that is not from you. Amen. Amen. Are we together? <laughs> Praise God. Okay, so God's plan is the ultimate. His plan for our lives is the best. We'll read verse 6 to 8. Um, the scripture there says that afterward they traveled from town to town across the entire island until finally they reached Paphos where they met a Jewish sorcerer a false false prophet named Bar Jesus he had attached himself to the governor Sergius Paulus who was an intelligent man the governor invited Barnabas and Saul to visit him, for he wanted to hear the word of God. But Elimas, the sorcerer, as his name, as his name means in Greek, interfered and urged the governor to pay no attention to what Barnabas or Saul said. He was trying to keep the governor from believing. Hmm. Hallelujah. Amen. There's a lot jumping out of that verse of scripture. I'll just take it one by one. Okay. Um, the first part. Let's go to the first part. From verse 6. Are we together? Verse 6. Okay. It says, Afterward, they traveled from town to town across the entire island until finally they reached Paphos, where they met a Jewish sorcerer, a false prophet named Bar Jesus. Okay, let's stop there. So they traveled from town to town. Like I said, I like to always connect it. You know, the Holy Spirit has um, called them out, sent them out, um, empowered them, but they still had work to do. Ministry is hard work. You may, you may be in full-time ministry, you know, but you have a family ministry, a mother ministry, you have a father ministry, you have ministry as a CEO, you have, you know, different ministries, ministry of your career, you know, for your business. So whatever it is, ministry is hard work. You know, we, uh, I think most times Christians, we just want to be praying and praying and praying and, and um, let another person be doing the traveling, let another person be doing the hard work. Then we will be coming to give the testimony. Ministry is hard work. Whatever your assignment is, is hard work. Your career is hard work. Your life is not casual. So you don't treat your life casually. You have to be you know, advancing towards the goal that is set before you. Every day, you must be adding value. We can see they moved from place to place. They would have said, ah, the Holy Spirit has already selected us, uh, spoken. I think he should do the remaining one. But they were involved. You have to be involved in your life. You have to be involved in your ministry. You have to be involved in your family. You, you have to be involved, you know, in your career, whatever it is. You have to put in the work to be able to see and achieve the results. And we may say that uh, this thing could be too difficult, but do you know what? God has the information 
He has the minutest detail of everything that we're involved in. We just have to ask him. That is where we build our relationship with the Holy Spirit. That is where we, you know, we wait on him. And he speaks to us and gives us specific instructions on what to do concerning every assignment. There are some things that, you know, we're struggling a lot by ourselves. But God is, you know, like, I know the answer to this thing. Can you just spend time with me? Can you, you know, trust me for this work? Trust me for this, your job. Trust me for this assignment. And you will get the desired results. So from that um, scripture, we saw that even, even as God had, the Spirit of God had sent them out, they still met Mr. What's his name? Mr. Bajesus, Mr. Sorcerer. They still met him. You would have said, ah, God has, has sent us now. Why is this one on the way? There's one thing we should know that everything we go through is in preparation for what God has prepared us for and what he's preparing us for. God is not interested in, you know, if you are weak, you will not remain weak. That's how God is. So um, if you meet an obstacle on the way, he has already given you that empowerment to overcome it. So they met a sorcerer. It would have been something that would have derailed them and, you know, discouraged them. But they stayed there and they stood their ground. When we are faced with challenges, we should remember who sent us. We should remember the instruction. We should remember the assignment. We should remember the purpose, you know, why we are doing what we are doing. Um, if we have questions, we can always... Um, um, prepare them when it's time for the question time. Those online, you can also send in your questions when it's time. We'll, we'll take them, you know. So, it didn't stop them. It said they met bad Jesus. Um, let's go to, what's the next verse that we read? CMM, please put it up. I think that was seven or so. Okay. No. But, I think you should go back a bit. The second line, seven, verse seven. Okay. He had attached himself to the governor. Yeah, go on. Sergius Paulus, who was an intelligent man. Okay, let's just stop there. Okay. Is it bad to attach yourself? Somebody should answer me. This one is a question for the phone. Is it bad to attach? Eh? Okay, so what is attach? <laughs> you know, you could see attach as um, what, what are the things I saw? Join, you know, coming together. So it's not bad now. It's not bad. Am I not uh, attached to GFH? Who is not attached to GFH? What are you doing here? You'll be attached today. Yeah. So the attach, you know, depending on the context, I'm attached to my family. I'm attached to my children. I'm attached to my friends, you know. So, and in that attachment, there's a relationship. So they said that the um, sorcerer was attached to the governor. So you can see it's not a normal, it's not a just hello, hi. He's in his circle, you know. So, hmm. your circle is important too. You cannot be attached to a sorcerer. You cannot be attached to anything that has, you know, a similitude of darkness. What is attached to you or what are you attached to? There are some times that the, the, whatever it is that is attached, you didn't even attach yourself. The person or the thing or the situation has attached himself, itself to you. So that is why I said when I started that you have to be conscious about your life. Who are those around you? What's happening around you? What's, you know, what are the relationships going on around you? So they said even the governor was an intelligent man. That one is another point. 
Intelligence cannot take you to heaven. Some people think they are much more intelligent than God and they don't know why he's God. Because they, they are smarter than God. This intelligent man knew that this sorcerer, with every lie that he has been telling him, his soul cannot be saved. Intelligence cannot take you to heaven. All the other things that, you know, people think are so important, those things cannot take anybody anywhere. Beauty cannot take you to heaven. Fame will, you know, some people think that with their money, they will bribe the angels at the gate and make it there, you know. Some people feel that they are so beautiful that heaven cannot reject them, you know. Some people think that with their houses and with their cars, with their bank accounts, it's expressed to heaven. Oh, it's not taking anybody to heaven. So sometimes when you see the way people live, you know that these people, they are just floating. They are not even aware of what is going on. The new dress in town, the new shoe, the new things people are killing themselves for. We, we learned so much on Sunday. Those things are not taking anybody anywhere. So what will guarantee heaven? That was what the governor was looking for. What will give me this peace and life that, you know, that can solve all these my problems? I have this um, sorcerer every day. He's seeing vision for me. He's either my mother or my father or my friends. He's saying, but my life is not changing. I need the pure word of God that can transform my life. Praise God. So let's read the next verse. It says the governor invited Barnabas and Saul to visit him for he wanted to hear the word of God. Isn't that amazing? He wanted to hear the word of God. I mean, he has been hearing about uh, Paul and Barnabas. They have been traveling from city to city. They've been going from place to place. They've been doing amazing things. He has been hearing. And he even heard, oh, they are here now. Oh, yeah, go and call them. I want to hear the word of God. Okay. So what, what do they call you for? What do you have to offer? They were calling Paul and Barnabas to give the word of God. Is it when there's gossip? That is when they call you. What do they call you for? What are you known for? Paul and Barnabas. They were known for the word. They should call you for good things. You should have your reputation should precede you. You should be reliable, dependable, even in your, you know, your job, your whatever you do. What do they know you for? This one, if you give him money, you will not see him again. God forbid, that's not our portion in Jesus' name. We are dependable, we are reliable. The news they hear about us is news of good. You know, so we have good referrals in Jesus' name. Amen. So the next verse here says, But Elimas, the sorcerer, as his name means in Greek, interfered and urged the governor to pay no attention to what Barnabas and Saul said. He was trying to keep the governor from believing. Hmm. Can you go back again? Go back again. Say, but Elimas, the sorcerer, interfered. Somebody say interfered. And urged. Yes, so continue. And urged the governor to pay no attention to what Barnabas and Saul said. Hmm. There are a lot of things that come to distract us from the word of life that can change our lives. A lot of things that interfere, a lot of things that urge us, a lot of things that cause us to pay no attention a lot of things that drive us, you know, out of the presence of God, not to hear that word that will change us. We have to be, you know, conscious and clear and understand who is interfering with my progress, with my growth, 
It might increase. What is interfering? Not just a person. It might be a situation. What is urging me? What is distracting me from hearing the word of God? What is, you know, causing me not to pay attention? There are a lot of things that, you know, distract us in this world these days. And, you know, we keep rolling over and over the problems that God has provided a solution for, but because we are not paying attention to the word of God, we are not listening to the word of God, we are not making ourselves attentive to the word of God. The enemy is taking advantage of that. That will not be our portion in Jesus' name. Amen. God has provided everything we need, everything that we want to be, everything we can ever be, God has provided in his word. So we have to make ourselves available to him. We have to be conscious that, look, no Elimas situation, person, or anything can derail me from receiving that word that will guarantee and secure my eternal life in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. So the last part, we'll just read the last part first. Okay. So, says Saul, also known as Paul, was filled with the Holy Spirit. And he looked the sorcerer in the eye. Then he said, you son of the devil, full of every sort of deceit and fraud, an enemy of all that is good, will you ever stop perverting the true ways of the Lord? Watch now, for the Lord has laid his hand of punishment upon you, and you will be struck blind. You will not see the sunlight for some time. And says, instantly, mist and darkness came over the man's eyes, and he began groping around, begging for someone to take his hand and lead him. Hmm. We shouldn't play with the enemy. Because the enemy, the Bible says that he has come to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He knew that uh, if this governor receives this Jesus, my ministry is over. There's, I, I will not be able to get any more money from him. I mean, it's just coincidental that we are in the political season. You know, he said, ah, I'm going to lose out on this, uh, in this uh, dispensation if, if this governor gives his life. You know, but Paul, you know, filled with the Holy Spirit, that's where the spirit of discernment comes in, the word of knowledge, you know, gifts and the fruits of the spirit all into manifestation. So as we are living our lives every day, we, we don't have to wait to come to church to manifest those gifts. We don't have to wait to come to church to manifest, you know, you're confronted with a situation at work. You're confronted with a situation at home. You should be able to identify the son of the devil there. You should be able to identify and speak the word of God, declare, execute judgment immediately. You don't have to wait. Say, oh, maybe when we come on Sunday, I will now, when we are praying, no, 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 no. You have the spirit of God. The spirit of God is in you. As far as you're a child of God, you've received him. The spirit of God is in you. You act immediately, you know. We saw how um, the same, almost in the same sentence where um, Jesus was declaring Peter as the rock and all that. In the same sentence, he rebuked him. Get thee behind. You know, I mean, he was, he didn't waste time. You know, there are some things that we should have cut off from our lives a long time ago, you know, that are causing us unnecessary problems that we have the power in us to stop. Let us speak to every dark situation in our life. Let us address things the way they should. You know, light and darkness cannot cohabit. We cannot be entertaining darkness and entertaining light together. We have the spirit of God. We should confront the enemy, speak the word of God. And they have no choice. They will be blind. They will grow up and they will have no power over our lives, over our families, over our, over our destinies in Jesus' mighty name. And the victorious verse. Let's read the last verse together. says, okay, so when the governor saw what had happened, he became a believer. Hey, hmm, for he was astonished at the teaching about the Lord. Hallelujah. 
we carry so much. You know, the word of God that proceeds out of this altar every Sunday, every Wednesday. It, it, I mean, it's an astonishing word. So you might say, but no miracle took place. A miracle took place. It's just that it was reversed. The eye closed. So the same power that closed the eye can open the eye. The word of God is powerful. So we need to start engaging. Engage, engage. Don't allow whatever your situation is, whatever your problem is, you know, make you forget who you are. Make you forget who you are. You are the child of a king that owns the whole universe. You are a royal priesthood. You are filled with the spirit of God, the Holy Spirit that can change situations. Please, from, from now, as you are going, as you are in your car, in your, on your way home, you know, taking transport, be conscious and aware of who you are. Know that you carry an astonishing word in your mouth that can make a believer, you know, out of an unbeliever. In, you know, you just say one or two things. The person is astonished because there's power. It's not just an ordinary word. There's power in the word of God. So let's walk in that light. Let's walk in that understanding. And there is sure victory because once God sends you out, he equips you, he empowers you, and he ensures that his word does not fall to the ground, but it accomplishes that which he has sent it forth to do. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. I think I've come to the end of my word. Thank you. All right. So while we're waiting for Papi to come on, if you have questions, you can kindly send them in. For those of us online and uh, those of us present in the auditorium. So please, if we have our questions, please let's, let's send them in. Okay, so um, while we're waiting for Papi, um, there was a scripture I wanted to read. It's um, 2 Corinthians um, 1. 20 to 22 in the Amplified. You can bring it up if you can. I'll just read it from here. For as many as are the promises of God, in Christ they are all answered yes. So through him we say our amen to the glory of God. Now it is God who establishes and confirms us in joint fellowship with you in Christ and who has anointed us, empowering us with the gifts of the Spirit. It is he who has also put his seal on us. That is, he has appropriated us and certified us as his and has given us the Holy Spirit in our hearts as a pledge, like a security deposit to guarantee the fulfillment of his promise of eternal life. You know, this was what the, the, the governor was looking for. He needed a guarantee. He needed something to, you know, give him peace that, look, I will see, I will see Jesus. I will make it. As children of God, what we just read now says the Holy Spirit in our hearts as a pledge, like a security deposit to guarantee the fulfillment of his promise of eternal life. So the Holy Spirit in, our, in, in us is a guarantee of eternal life. We're just blessed. We're just so blessed. A lot of things people are looking for, you know, all over the place. We have peace in God. They can't buy peace with money. They can't buy joy with money. They can buy happiness, one or two or three or ten cars. But how long would that last, you know? But we have peace. We have Jesus. We have joy, you know. We have eternal life. Hallelujah. Amen. Yay. You're welcome, sir. <laughs> how are you? I'm awesome. Awesome. And how are you too, sir? I'm amazing. Yes. Well done. You look great, sir. You look great, sir. <laughs> I love my church. <laughs> I, I, can, I can see that. 
you're, you're welcome, sir. Yeah. Yes. Well done. Good teaching. Good, um, good, 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 good teaching. I, in fact, I maybe let's see how the question goes. Um, we may need to come back to one of two, two things, things you talked about. Okay, sir. You know, that I find very, very powerful. Okay, thank okay. you, sir. Yeah, I have, I have one question for now. Okay, so um, I didn't talk about it because I wanted you to talk about it. Why did Paul and Barnabas have to, I think, um, keep going to the synagogue all the time? Every time they would go to the synagogue, was there a particular reason? The people they were looking for, were they in the synagogue or maybe just... Afraid. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, okay, so you would you'd uh, realize also that the time that Jesus um, was on earth, Jesus would go into the synagogues and, and preach. In, I, I think, um, Matthew 4, when he opened the scriptures and, and says, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me. For the Lord had anointed me to preach the gospel and on and on and on. It was in the synagogue, you know, when he raised his voice in John, and, and said, whoever at first should come, you know, to me. It was in the synagogue. So uh, uh, why the synagogue? The synagogue was the place of worship at the time. So we didn't, we didn't have churches as we, as, we call, as we do today, back in the day. So there were people that wanted to develop their faith or to learn about God would congregate in the in the synagogue. So while the church was new and, 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 and birthed, you know, the church structure as we have it today pretty much was non-existent. We, we had churches in people's homes. So early seekers were found in the synagogue. So Paul and uh, Barnabas or the apostles would naturally go to the synagogue. And that's one. Secondly, you realize that a lot of the initial apostles were, were Jews. So, you know, in, in Acts 3, John and Peter were going to the temple to pray. You know, that temple was not the church. <laughs> you know, it was not the church. It was, was, uh, was the, it was the, um, the refurbished temple of Solomon, which served as a synagogue. They had, a, had a pouch porch for, for, synagogue, uh, for synagogue activities and all that. So the places of worship back then were synagogues. These people were Jews. They would go and engage seekers at synagogues. And, and that's why they kept going to the synagogues. I don't know if that makes sense. Yes, yes, it does. Um, something that came to my mind, you know, because um, we always see Paul as... Um, reaching out to the Gentiles. So could he have also met Gentiles in the synagogue too? Possibly, you know, possibly because we had Gentiles that were seekers that would come to the synagogue. In fact, we had Gentiles that convert to be Jews, you know, um, and, and God even has a process for them, that this is a process for you if you're, if you're a Gentile and you want to become a Jew, you know, back in the day. So yeah, so the synagogue had, um, was a convergence of the different kind of faith, but primarily seekers, people that wanted to know God, wanted to know more about God. I mean, whatever God, you don't even know which God they are, they are seeking, but they are seeking something. Yeah. Thank you very much, sir. So we have some questions. Debbie. One. Yeah, we didn't hear you. Good evening, Pastor Nina. Good evening, Papi. Good evening, everyone. Hi. <laughs> the first question says, yes, God's plan is the ultimate. But as we all know, it's somehow difficult to wait blindly on the plan, especially because of the fear of the unknown. How do we overcome that fear of the unknown? Well, fear. At least I had fear there. You know, um, 
Papish, can I go ahead? Sure. Okay. You know, so I think as children of God, you know, the Bible says that God has not given us a spirit of fear. You know, a spirit of power, love, and of a sound mind. The Bible says even, you know, come, what comes with fear is torment. So if you keep living in fear about will the sun shine tomorrow? If I sleep, will I wake up? Sometimes even that fear can be the thing that will even kill you before the thing that you're expecting to kill you comes. I think, like I said, you know, earlier when I was talking, that I used to be afraid of asking God, let your will be done. Let your purpose for my life. Because I was just saying, which purpose does he have now? This is what me I want to do. I want to be a doctor. I want to do this, and I want to do that. Maybe he doesn't. Maybe he wants me to be a nurse. Maybe he wants me, you know. So that, you know, but walking with God and understanding His Word, yielding to Him, receiving His love, appreciating Him, made me to yield. I think you need to surrender to God. You need to yield to God. When you're not married, you are anxious. You marry, you are anxious. Will I born, you are anxious. You born, you are anxious. Will they return from school, you are anxious. Ah, who are their friends, you are anxious. Ah, they are growing up, oh, you are anxious. They will soon leave me. You, you, it doesn't end if you want to live like that. So. You cannot keep being afraid of, of the future. You can't keep being afraid of tomorrow. You have to trust God for the future because he's the only one that knows the future and he holds the future. And he, the Bible says that he has great plans for you. Plans of good. Plans of good. There's nothing you can do about your future than to trust God for it. I don't know if I've helped just have to live by faith. That's what we preach. That's what we hear every day. We have to live by faith, trusting God every day, every step of the way. Papi, what do you have to say? Well, I mean, um, you've answered it. I mean, there's, there's pretty much nothing to do about the future but to trust God for it, like you said, clearly. You know, um, whoever has asked this question, I would also suggest that you listen to the message of last week's Sunday. You know, yeah, um, the future, the, the words to live by, uh, the future, and um, and like Pastor Nina was saying, and um, this coming Sunday, you know, um, we'll be looking at peace, the peace, the, that peace that you know. She said you can buy happiness, you can buy a good car, you can, but that peace, you know, <laughs> you, you, you you can't buy it on Sunday, you know. So by the time you combine the two, you should be fine. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Okay, um, the second question seems to come from someone who might be struggling. It says, how does one stay away from ministry? How does one stay away from ministry? Ah, that's stay, maybe God has called the person. No further explanation. That's just a question. Uh, okay, so the online pastor says... Perhaps more like how does person avoid the work of ministry? Oh, hey, you can avoid the work of ministry by not coming to church. If you are not in church, now who will give you ministry work? Hey, you can, you know, enter another boat and be going. Just that you have to be careful of the will that might bring you back. So why do you want to why do you want to struggle with God? Why do you want to struggle with God? Can you struggle with God? You know, can you? If God is calling you to ministry, He's calling you into greatness. Like, you know, <laughs> you know, like we learned last week. 
many things. My own, I chase cake every day. We are not going to be doing cake, cake baking in heaven. Those are not the things that will last. Ministry is what will last. How well. I've, how I've, you know, engaged my clients. What experience have they had with me? That is ministry. You know, what can they say about you? Do you leave a bitter taste in their mouth? Ministries all around. So, but if it, maybe you, God has actually told you something specific about, you know, ministry, ministry in church. Not ministry in the business place, not ministry in a ministry in the church. It's such a great opportunity. It's not that we saw Paul and, and, uh, and Barnabas. It's not easy. It's not easy. But with God, we remember that uh, our equation. Uh-huh. Things that are difficult plus with God all things are possible becomes possible. So don't be afraid. Be with, I mean, come, you know, come into the community. Speak with a pastor. You, you might be, I mean, our six over six, you might need counseling. You know, ministry is being selfless. Maybe God wants to take out that selfishness in you. You are too selfish. But he knows that there's something in you. There's some deposit in you that he wants to use to change lives. So please, you can't, if you, if you insist on running, I don't know how far you can run. It's like you see an ant here. That is running 440. You just look at it. You'll be looking, looking, looking. You just pick it back and put it where it started from. God is watching you. God is everywhere. God is seeing you. And he loves you. Don't think he wants to punish you. He doesn't want to punish you. He wants to bless you. He wants to lift you. This is actually your turning point. So you better accept it. Accept it. You, you, you need to get close to Papi. Papi is on international ministries everywhere. Going to places he cannot speak their language. But God speaks every language. So there's nothing God is sending you to do that, you know, you will not find victory. So it's, it's, it's fun. It's fun. It's fun working with God. It's fun. Look at, look at Paul and, and, and Barnabas now. Maybe the way they opened the door for them in that uh, governor's house, they didn't open it well. But by the time they saw what happened to Mr. Elimas, so they, they will greet them again. Say, so, welcome. Thank you, sir. They won't even know because if anything can happen, they can even start crawling on the floor. If you understand. So please, what, what better, you know, em, em, employer to have? I beg, I beg, I beg. Answer the call, answer the call. And be giving us testimonies. Sorry, Papi, I'm talking too much now. Okay, over to you, sir. Oh, I mean, I mean, so you pretty much answered it again. And um, um, like you said, it's, it's an honor, mm-hmm. you know. So Hebrews 5.4 says, no man takes this honor mm-hmm. unto himself. So if God has called you, it is an honor. Yeah. So, or uh, a honor so <laughs> you know like you know, just embrace it you know thank you sir embrace it that's the word embrace it anymore it's a follow-up question to the one that we're on currently okay it says why then does the work of ministry come with so much pain why does <sighs> it, when does it end why does the work of ministry come with so much pain when does it end when does it end? <laughs> when does the pain end? I when believe. does the pain end? Yes, ma'am. Ah. Oh. If you sit down on the chair for long enough, you even have pain. There's pain everywhere. But it doesn't stop what God will do. It doesn't stop it. You know, even when, uh, what's his name? Um, Stephen was being stoned. He was, he, he was elated. The problem is that, you know, we think death is the end. This physical death is not the end. So 
when you see that what you are doing is beyond here, that pain is not anything. It's not anything. You know, there was something my, my dad told me that death is a transition. You know, sometimes when we see, when we think that death is the end, that's where we want to now conserve everything. Like Pastor said, in 100 years' time, the person that is 15 is going to be 115. Huh. That's if the person is still here. So there's more to what we are doing than what we are seeing. So there's pain. If I, I work in a bakery, there's pain. You want to bring out the pan from the oven. It can burn you. There's pain. Okay, you, you fix lights. Small electric can shock you there. It's all part of the work. But you won't, you won't stop now. You are trying to preach to somebody. They pour you water. It's part of it. That same person that poured you water can get the ministration of their life. That's, look at what's, how I humiliated this person and this person still prayed for me. What manner of love is this? So, so stop thinking of what you're doing as an end. It's not ending. It's not ending. Stephen was smiling into heaven as they were stoning him. So the people that were stoning him thought they were doing something bad to him. He was praying for them. Father, don't mind them. Oh. They don't know what they are doing. I'm coming home. Finish. So please. And let's, this is a higher calling. Let's start looking at it that way. I hope I, I hope I helped the guy. Papi. <laughs> yeah, you, you pretty much did. Um, <laughs> um, you know, just to add, Jesus, I mean, referring to Jesus, the Bible says that because of the joy that was set before him, he endured the pain. He, he forbore forbear the, the shame mm. and you if you keep if you keep the, the cross your focus, you are not going to make it. If you keep focusing on the pain, you are not going to make it. Like Pastor Nina said, there's pain everywhere. The pain of ministry is real. You know, particularly it will come for the people from the people you have helped all the all, all their lives, and they will stab you. It's you will cry, but you will also get up and you will continue to walk yes, <laughs> in the name of Jesus. Amen. <laughs> Because not because of the not because of the pain, because of the joy that is set before you. Because you have to keep your eyes on the prize. You have to keep your eyes on the joy. One day I'm going to see Jesus. Yeah. I was going to say to me, "Well done, Femi. Mm -hmm. You did well. You, you 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 did well." <laughs> you know that that keeps me going. So yeah. that's what you should focus on. Yeah. So that's what I, that's what I'll say. Thank you, sir. So set your eyes on the prize, not on the pain. Praise God. So do we have any more questions? Okay. Any question in the house? The, those in the auditorium? Okay. All right. I think we should clap for ourselves now. Okay. I really enjoyed myself today. Um, so if we have our offerings, time to take our offerings have our tithes let's prepare them so if you have your tithes you can stand up so we can pray the POS at the back the account details should be on the screen amen amen over to you sir amen okay thank you um, Pastor Nina uh, God bless you um, awesome, awesome, awesome. Okay, so so um, God bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. Amen. Lord, lift up his countenance on, upon you and give you peace. Amen. And so it is and shall be. Amen. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Amen. Amen. So God's favorite house, who are we? 
Thank you for listening to this. I want to encourage you to share this resource with your family and friends. God bless you.